welcome, folks, to a very special edition of RSF Radio. Um, I'm your host, Joe Monday, and we actually are calling this one a special episode because, in fact, a new warrior has entered the ring. That's right, a new warrior has entered the ring. You may know him as the senior editor from The Coalition. He's also done some freelancing for IGN. He's a writer, he's a vlogger. That's right, folks, it's Jake James Lugo. How you doing, man? Hey, what's happening, my dude? I'm doing good. <laughs> Appreciate the cool welcoming, the cool intro stuff. It was pretty pristine. It's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, no, we're awesome. only going to hear the good ones, folks. We don't let the the, ten, the dozen other ones that didn't get a pass. We don't. We're not going to let those right. ones fly. <laughs> it's good to only fuck up the intro once. Uh, by the way, you can't swear on this show. This is oh, oh nice. Oh, now we're about to get spicy. Uh, yeah, you can be <laughs> as spicy as you want. That's true. Uh, or not. If you want to keep it PC, that's cool. If you want to keep it for well, the kids. Well, I don't know. This is the this is the fighting game community. This is Red Street Fighter. I mean, come on. We're always about that spiciness. That's all I'm saying. It's like hip-hop. You know, it's got to be spicy. <laughs> that's true. All right, man. So if you want to introduce yourself, uh, let's say that. Uh, so what do you got going on? What's uh, What have you been up to in the past couple months or so? What yeah, you sure. So, you so, uh, so basically for all the people that don't know who I am, they're probably listening to this right now and be like, who the hell is this guy and why have you brought this on and why am I listening to him? The well, basically, that sounds like a Mortal Kombat thing. What's that all right, about? Right, right. And you would think so because of the way that it's spelled, but it's actually not the case. You know, the Coalition is a gaming website. They've been around, they're celebrating their 10 year anniversary this year, which is cool. I've been around with them for about five to six of them, which is pretty cool. Uh, basically, it's a website that blends together uh, video games, you know, reporting, you know, and other geek related stuff like film movies comics uh tv etc with that of hip-hop with that of the music industry now while i don't do a lot of the hip-hop stuff on the website i do more of the gaming related stuff that includes everything involved with the video game industry the greater gaming community etc and that includes obviously the fgc the fighting game community i always compare the fighting game community to like an old shaw brothers martial arts kung fu film where everybody's got their clans all over the place and everybody's just beating down on everybody it's like a cartoon almost sometimes but i think it's fun to kind of you know check out what's going on in the different scenes that are all over the place in gaming it's it's fun to kind of explore what new stuff pops up here and there as well as also just have those fun creative discussions about video games all over the place as far as like new stuff i've been doing as of late you know ever since 2018 uh started i had the privilege and and the pleasure of talking to a couple really cool peeps you know and personalities you know that are both popular on youtube as well as also in the fgc recently uh, i'm pretty sure you saw this at some point that's how we got uh, connected mm -hmm. uh was my interview with justin wong from team echo fox and we had a, a phenomenal conversation about a bunch of different stuff including street fighter including just competitive gaming you know what he's doing over there uh with echo fox as well as a whole bunch of other stuff that we felt like you know was a really good uh good you know food for thought for everybody that listened in on it and do besides wanna, that do you want to dig mm -hmm. into that for a little bit uh yeah, I, sure. i'm kind of going to sidetrack you on that but uh um, yeah sure do you, wanna, do you mind bringing up what exactly you know the specifics of that of that interview and maybe what you guys talked about yeah, sure. It, it was fu funny, too, because I never thought that Justin would be so, you know, open to just talking with just anybody, you know, because obviously, yo, this is Justin Wong. This is the second dude that was part of Evo Moment 37. I mean, it's like he he was the one who got ragged on during Evo Moment 37. <laughs> let's let's keep it all 100. But, you know, it, he, that's still Justin Wong. That's, you know, that's that's a phenomenal player, very influential person within the fighting game community. So obviously having that popularity, being busy all the time, going out there and whooping people constantly at tournaments he's a very busy guy mm -hmm. so when i when i shot my shot a little bit 
uh, as far as like sending him a message, you know, over Twitter and email, trying to see if he would like to come onto my show, which my, my show that he was on was called TK Spotlight. It's on iTunes. It's on the Coalition website. It's on YouTube. It's where I bring on different individuals from throughout the gaming industry and the various corners of the internet. And we talk about their craft. We talk about the good that they've done with their respective communities, as well as also the greater gaming community, which is everybody that loves mm -hmm. video games. And with Justin, we talked about competition. We talked about being a competitive gamer. We talked about how Street Fighter and just fighting games and being competitive in fighting games not only uh, not only influenced his life and had a big impact in his life, but also how he's inspired other people, how he's brought a lot of different uh, discussions to the table in relation to fighting games, to competition, to making a living out of playing video games, to becoming a, a, an electronic sports athlete, you know, esports athlete, you know, which is the term a lot of people throw around a lot, uh, how that's been able, you know, to become something for him to have a means to live. You know, we dove into a lot of different stuff like that. But one of the things that I thought was really cool that I got from him throughout that entire, like, I want to say almost 30 to 45 minute conversation was about, you know, how certain ethics and certain kind of like, you know, morality and, and certain things about one's character and one's person uh, is really important to not only just mm -hmm. representing the community, but also representing yourself in front of the greater game community out there. And, you know, being a representative of fighting games, like how he is, or at least how he's viewed. Yeah, that is true. There's been a, he's been involved in, well, not involved in, but let's just say he's been uh, tangential to a couple of like shady, shady dealings within earlier FGC. I stuff. saw King uh, of Chinatown. I know what you're talking about. Okay, it's okay. okay. Keep it funky. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I don't want, I don't want to call people out by their name, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, but he's always stayed on the, I want to say the, the, the better side of history, let's say. Yeah. He's always ended up on on the good side of things, and it's it's actually really interesting to see someone like that talk about what their actual day is like or what their life has been turned into because they've taken on fighting games as a career and not just as something that they do on the weekends because it does take up all of their weekends and it does take up most of the time in between that weekend as well. Uh, it can be a very time consuming thing, especially when you travel as much as someone like that does. So Yeah, and what's crazy is that before that interview that I had with him, he had just come back from China. Uh, not China, I'm sorry. I, I think it was Malaysia that he went to go compete in a, in a recent competition. I forgot which one it was specifically. I think it was for Marvel or for Street Fighter Five. I can't I can't remember specifically. But he had literally just got off the plane and went to his hotel mm -hmm. and in order to come talk to me. Which not only I appreciate it, but also it's a testament to how busy and how almost crazy and wacky a little bit that his life has become now at this point. Uh, because of fighting games and because of like, you know, being involved with something that he loves so much and now turning it to something so much more bigger than what he possibly imagined like years ago. And mm -hmm. we dived into a lot of that. We, we really kind of unpacked a lot of the different stuff. And he was really just open to talking with me about all those different types of, of subjects. And again, giving a lot of food for thought, which I felt was very important, not just to fighting game players that were both competitive and non-competitive, but also just to gamers and people that might be outside of gaming or just on the outside looking in towards video games and, you know, seeing as, as a whole as opposed to just being involved with everything and being kind of in the know of everything that happens on social media or what's going on in the video game industry yeah he's been a pretty good influence in in terms of that uh all right so i know i've, I've derailed this conversation enough in terms of going into that justin wong interview but where did we leave <laughs> off what else you got going on so besides that, besides random things like that, and, and I'm, for the for the record, I'm actually trying to get a couple other ones that I, I can't publicly can't talk about yet, as far as like who they are and stuff. But there yeah, are some other see, big. You don't want to blow your load before. Let, let me put it this together. way. Let me put it this way: there are some very big FGC people, both 
players and other influential people that I've been trying to get on my show for a little bit. And some stuff is moving and we're looking to make that happen because I believe, you know, trying to get like a diverse palette of people, you know, to talk with, even though I'm not necessarily an FGC person or an F or specifically an FGC personality or show, I think it's good to at least listen, to talk, to, to understand and to look into a lot of different stuff. So there's people that I've been going to that I think are very cool that I, that I would love to talk with that I think a lot of people are going to like when it finally happens. But outside of that, I mean, if we're talking strictly just fighting game stuff that I've been involved with, I wrote some of the guides for some of the big fighting games that came out within the last few years over on IGN. I actually wrote the, the week guide for uh, Tekken 7 which I followed mm -hmm. ever since it was first coming out. I actually went to Bandai Namco's headquarters, uh, their new headquarters that they have now in California, uh, when Tekken 7 hadn't come out on uh, home console here in the United States. Uh, we were actually able to go and play Tekken 7 in our arcade cabinet with Harada, which was pretty fun because the crazy story, Harada walks in with a suit, right? And you would think he, he would look professional and stuff, but he walks in with a Pac-Man board suit where his jacket <laughs> matched his pants, matched his shirt, matched his tie, matched his socks, and I guarantee you, I'd be willing to put money on that it matched his underwear to all the same Pac-Man board. I'm telling you, I, it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. I was like, you know, this man is wild, but he was serious, and he, he was all business, it. and he was fun. <laughs> He's all business in a suit like that. That's fantastic. That's a oh man, I wish I had a picture of that show. I, I, there's there's fun. photos out there. I know for a fact. I wish I had gotten one, but I was so dumbstruck by seeing this and seeing the straight face that this man had on there and he was just cool he was just talking about Tekken with people he did a couple interviews not a lot but he he was just chatting it up with people about Tekken 7 at the time and it was just fun being around him and you know being around mm -hmm. somebody that's like so influential to such a big iconic franchise that you know not just the fighting games but just the gaming as a whole you know Tekken that, that that's a big deal for some people and you know being able to see that game progress from the state that it was back then all the way to now you know after the release has come out it was really cool I I got to write a review for it as well on the coalition. I wrote the guide on IGN. I did some interview stuff at the time. Uh, I believe one or two of the community managers over there, you know, different stuff like that. And, you know, besides Tekken more recently, I should say, uh, I have been writing and I've just finished the guide for Dissidia Final Fantasy NT over on IGN. That's how another is, game that I... How is Dissidia? That's not something that I've, I've really touched that much. And when I look at it, it seems to look like it plays like uh, Gundam Versus, or at least is similar to that. Am I wrong in thinking that? A little bit, because Gundam Versus is a little bit more complicated, I want to say. Uh, mm -hmm. Gundam Versus, again, be, you know how the Gundam series is with anime. Like, they're very political. They're very complex. Yeah. They have all these crazy things that if you if you miss out on something, you miss out on the whole thing. You might as well just rage quit right then and there. But, okay, with Dissidia... Uh, not only does it play a lot on the fandom and the fan service of the Final Fantasy series, which is a big deal for a lot of people, especially if you love JRPGs, but the way that they implement the fighting that was originally on the PSP games, which was Dissidia and Dissidia Duodecim, mm -hmm. they kind of take the, the the crazy fighting that you saw in like Final Fantasy VII Advent Children and that CG movie and stuff and kind of try to apply it to all the different Final Fantasies from 1 to 15, all the numbered Final Fantasies, I should say. Not every single game, but like a lot of the heroes and villains and mash them up together. And they make it simple where the 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 fighting itself, it takes a lot of the, the classic JRPG mechanics like status effects and attacks and stuff and maps it to about like two buttons where you have bravery attacks and you have HP attacks. <laughs> bravery attacks are like your crazy attacks that you see them doing the fighting style and, and all these different like attacks that don't really do much to the greater fight. And then you have the HP attacks, which actually 
do the damage and it gets involved with all these like different like values and numbers that you build up in order to damage your opponents and stuff it sounds more complicated how i'm explaining it but when you actually get into it and you actually start playing it's very simple and easy to get yeah into it's it. one of the you, you told me oh it's very easy to understand and then went on to describe something that sounds confusing <laughs> <laughs> which i i get it. it's like some of the some things you just need to, to get your hands on in order to really understand it i just i've seen a whole lot of crossover between people in fgc twitter and uh Decidia talk a lot's going on see people seem to be very excited about it right now it's uh, very cool it's very fun how's the online in that is that is it like available? It's, it's like a it's a it's out now right yeah it's already out now okay. it came out at the end of last month i want to say right. like i believe it was january 30th and it had a beta sometime before that i think it had two, yeah. a closed beta and, a, and an open beta and it, it's the online play is hit or miss because sometimes mm. you'll have days where you'll get like no matches whatsoever and you'll be stuck in the the ranked or the the casual matches and you're just waiting to get matched up with other players because in order to play in decidia nt specifically you need to have a team of three to go online to play against other players you can't go alone like that you can't and i don't mean necessarily alone where you won't be matched with like teammates and stuff i'm talking about alone where you're just solo like that against like other players you have to be have other teammates and sometimes you'll just be there waiting constantly because there's not a lot of people playing at the time but then there'll be other days where you'll just get into a match immediately and you'll just be playing matches now the mm. quality of the matches which is the more important thing yeah. sometimes those are hit or miss and sometimes it could get very unplayable like really it's like horrible like you'll have a lot of frame dips you know it'll be going like one or two frames per second really mm -hmm. bad and like there's nothing you could do about it and then other times it's smooth as butter like it's like if you're playing offline and it's really fun that can be pretty gross um and i think that will lead into our first topic actually speaking of netcode and how netcode can be a big influencer on how a game uh, is perceived in public uh, i just want to dip into one of another one of your articles uh ultra street fighter 2 the final challengers yes uh, yes online was kind of a big issue there uh, because of <laughs> not just how the online like let's take all of the the net code out of it first and just say that there are three characters in this game mm -hmm. uh evil ken or violent ken evil ryu and Akuma. it's crazy to me that they allow all of those three the characters. broken shy force that's what yeah. they should call them <laughs> i mean it the truly broken is that way uh because they don't follow the rules of the game really in they make their own rules <laughs> they really do uh it makes any type of competitive play online kind of bunk because you'll have people trying to bump up their their numbers i guess or, or climb the ladder with these top tier characters and i guess why wouldn't you choose the best character if you're going to go online like that mm -hmm. but also that's not how that game is remembered uh, exactly. so fondly like there are so many people who have there's so many people in that are tangential to like the FGC like if I were to ask like anyone's mom and say who is Akuma they go I don't know who Akuma is that's not a character that I'm familiar with but then you say what about Ryu and they go oh I know a Ryu that's something that is like that has some pop culture pull He's an iconic character. He, he's associated with that game so much. And, it, and it's not even just, it's more because of Street Fighter 2. But again, that's just a character that's just been timeless. Even you could go back to Street Fighter 1, even though a lot of people don't like remembering that game. He was in that and mm -hmm. he was the reason, he was the character you played as. So he's an iconic archetype for a game character. So with that said, then you bring in this 
this Akuma character and you allow Akuma like even I'm taking like Violent Ken and Evil Ryu just outside of that if you even add Akuma to the mix there's so many people who didn't even know that Akuma was a, a character that you can play because of what you had to do to unlock him mm-hmm. like in, in the regular in the full release of the game so there's tons of people out there who don't even know what Akuma actually looks like so when you pitch this game to people and say hey fans of Hey, I know you. You remember Street Fighter 2. <laughs> We've sold it to you dozens of times in the past, but guess what? This is the final version. And then uh, as a fan, you say, oh, this is the final version. So what else was in Ultra Street Fighter 2 that you saw as one of the three nails in the coffin? Well, the biggest one obviously being those characters, and specifically mm-hmm. those characters, Violent Ken, Evil Ryu, and Akuma, because of how broken they are, it totally destroys the online competitive environment. And I think it arguably you can make a strong argument for the offline competitive environment. But again, that could be changed up with, you know, different TO rules, you know, and overall rules all over the place, you know, bans and stuff. Yeah. But it it really kills the fun factor of that game going online because I like going online with my Nintendo Switch playing that game every once in a while, like almost every day at this point since I got in it. Uh, oh, really? And the reason being, yeah, <laughs> the reason being is because I love Street Fighter 2. Street Fighter 2 is an iconic game, and it means something to a lot of people. One of my favorite fighting games for a long time, until others started coming out more recently in this console generation, was uh, Super Turbo, because mm-hmm. this is what this game is based on. And Super Turbo, arguably for some people, the most definitive version of Street Fighter 2 that there was for a long time. Mm-hmm. Now. While Ultra Street Fighter 2 provides a lot of balance changes and updates, and you can even argue HD Remix did something similar to that, this one was supposed to be the definitive final version of this game. And between that and then you have the fact, which is the other two reasons that I listed in the article, uh, is that it's a very meager game. It doesn't offer a lot. It doesn't make this version of Street Fighter 2 feel special. Yes, it offers the ability to color edit, which is cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, it has that gallery, which is based off of -of out-of-print Japanese Street Fighter anthology book you know that's all cool and dandy but beyond that what else is there and i can tell you right now it's almost nothing because you're only going to play arcade mode a couple times because most of the people that buy this game or get into this game have already played every version of street fighter 2 at this point if not other street fighter games so they already know what they're getting into but they're really going to be playing it for the online play and if that's all messed up and pretty much marred by those three characters what else do you have there to, or a reason to go back to this game? Because I'll tell you right now, it's not that uh, way of the hot O mode that you could use your Nintendo Switch motion controls with. That that was a dead <laughs> mode. For, that was dead on arrival. Let me put it that way. Like, it's just garbage. And the yeah. thing is, the thing is, is that I blame this strictly on Capcom because Street Fighter 2 is probably one of, if not their most celebrated game, period, in their catalog. And the reason being is because it was so influential, it was so impactful to the genre. It spawned and pretty much jump-started the entire fighting game genre, especially the competitive fighting game scene. Because without Street Fighter 2, we wouldn't have an FGC, arguably. Okay, again, there's a strong argument that could be made there. The thing about that also, the thing also about this is that because of that, okay, why does it feel like this was just a haphazard release? Like, obviously, there were stories and things that came out at the time, you know, around the release, uh, encouraging people to buy this game so you could get a real fighting game from Capcom on the Nintendo Switch, which is what I want and a lot of other people want. I'm pretty sure yeah. yourself as well. Yeah. But, 
but is that all that this is for? Is that all that your most celebrated entry in your fr- in one of your biggest franchises, period? Is that how you're going to treat it? I felt like what would have been awesome as a celebration of Street Fighter 2 uh, would been would have been to add more extra content, would have been uh, mm-hmm. the ability to kind of have more quality of life stuff, which for whatever reason, Capcom gets into this nasty habit. Uh, and, and I'm talking about the developers at Capcom, the people that are actually in there making the game. Uh, they have all these good quality of life stuff in like Street Fighter 5 and even arguably Street Fighter 4 uh, back in the vanilla days. Uh, but none of that stuff makes it into almost every iteration of Street Fighter 2. And I find that so weird. There's no battle lobbies, you know, or at least, you know, match online lobbies. We could have like eight people in a round robin or arcade style format for online matches, kind of like what we get in Street Fighter 5. Like, why isn't that in this game? Why isn't the ability to, to filter out certain rule sets or or have ranked matches ban certain characters that are clearly broken? Like, we're, people at Capcom are not stupid. Like, they're not... Uh, what is it? They're not uh, unaware of like how the community reacts or how the community feels about certain things in their games. I mean, there's just certain stuff that just was completely absent out of this game. And I felt like they were just not even thought about. There wasn't even a discussion about it. And that's a problem. And that's why I felt that Ultra Street Fighter 2 was a dead game at this point. Why even play it right now? Oh, yeah, there really is no big reason. I kind of want to go back to something that you touched upon of who would be buying this game? Who is this really for? Because I would almost argue that this is not a game for people who are, or at least would want to be competitive. Uh, And track with me on this, because I I think it was one of those things where they put it out on the Switch and said, we can probably get enough people to buy this out of nostalgia because it's on the Switch. And if it does well, like it has a couple things in it that we can bank on. And if it does well, maybe we'll get a, like you said, maybe we'll get a, a... a better release or another fighting game ported to the Switch. Because keep in mind, this game sold at launch. This was a... Did it launch at $60? Uh, 40 I believe. Okay. Actually, no, no, no. I think you might be right. I I, I don't remember. I remember I'm looking at it now, and it's, it's, it's 40 now, which yeah, is I don't. Still... I think it was more expensive. I think it was back when, when it came out. I think it might have been 60 We could be wrong on that one for everybody that's listening, but I remember people complaining about the price point when it came out. Yeah, let me actually, because I want to look at it. I looked up the price just now just to confirm. But and, it's, and here's it's the thing, still, too. For, it's still $40, and really all it is, I mean, mm-hmm. really, if you if you take out all the things that, that that you can cut from it, like online can be cut because it's because of those three characters in it. It doesn't have any of, like, the battle lounges or anything like that where you can actually set up certain rules, like you said. So mm-hmm. as an online game, it's not useful. Now mm-hmm. take it to arcade mode sure you can play the arcade mode but it's really just street fighter 2 arcade mode and is that worth 40 to 60 dollars but here's the problem and and again i blame solely on capcom for all of this is because a lot of the stuff that we see that we're kind of spoiled by with street fighter 5 and even some of the other versions of street fighter 4 none of that same type of design philosophy made into this game and also Mm -hmm. the reason why i really believe why that game sold the way it did was because of the promise of something whatever comes afterwards and that's just diehard capcom fans or diehard street fighter fans that really want to have something new or special on their platform especially on every platform that out there that's the reason why that game sold so well the mm-hmm. other thing too is is that i mean you could make it a strong argument for having all these changes and other stuff for this specific game or this specific version of street fighter uh, street fighter 2 but again why put in all the effort 
towards like doing all these new type of stuff, making it feel like the Super Nintendo version on crack, basically, and and all these extra like additional cool things that people, especially fans, would love. But then kind of just let it lopside and just let it just die out there, or just let it just be there and nothing comes out of it. And mm-hmm. I would even make an argument is that the people that really wanted to buy this game, besides the ones that were uh, ride or die, as far as like getting something else cooler on the Switch, I believe that you know this game could could have still been competitive, especially in places like Evo, places like you know Togeki or any other big tournaments out there because there are places out there that still play super turbo as far as part of their lineup of games so obviously a brand new updated fully realized fully self-actualized version of street fighter 2 would definitely be appealing to them especially to the players that put years into super turbo i mean i don't think that's a problem for them and and again you could even make the same argument back then about hd remix which there's a whole nother hour or two conversation you can have about that game but like this one again this being the final challengers the final version the definitive version of this game i felt like this was just kind of just thrown out there and it just more could have been done and more should have been done because this is one of their most celebrated entries in the series. And it, it could have been cooler too if this same type of game also got released on the other platforms on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, which yeah. they did with HD Remix because I think HD Remix for a time was on Xbox One and then eventually they brought it to PlayStation 3. I mean, not Xbox One, Xbox 360 to PlayStation 3 at some point like that. It, I don't think it was like a time and time release, but still... Like I, I felt like Capcom should have did better, and they could, they would have gotten more people behind them with that, and they probably would have made more and sold more copies of this game if little things, even though they might not be little in hindsight, but yeah, little things as like someone quality who's not of a life game stuff. developer, you look at those yeah. like small little tweaks that. Yeah, like why I'd can't you store? Moment, yeah. Why can't you store and view the arcade endings when you when you went when you earned them in mm-hmm. arcade mode? Like where in the gallery, as opposed to just that one thing where you're looking through an old book, which mm-hmm. is outdated because there's other Street Fighter books that have come out. Why not have a gallery kind of like what Nether Realm does with Mortal Kombat or what Bandai does with Tekken, where you could look at all this stuff you've earned? Mm-hmm. That would have been so much more appealing. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I'm in full agreement with you. So uh, just to confirm, it did launch at at forty dollars. Oh, and okay. still, and so still, still, and still cost forty dollars. <laughs> yeah, so it's still full retail price for it, technically. Uh, yeah, uh, but it's oh man, that's mm, that's such a high cost, especially when you could just it's a hard sell. I mean, people are playing Street Fighter Two online right now, and there are ways to play it online. Just put it that way. Exactly. Uh, and I guess kind of want to spin off. I'll do a quick spin off here. Is we didn't we didn't prep for this at all, but. Uh, I think the conversation leads into this, but 30th anniversary edition or of Street yeah. Fighter, uh, it's going to have all those versions of all those games. Uh, it's going to have online mode. Do you think that could be... I think if it does have a an online uh, utility that is functional to everybody, like, for example, if they, if they release that, that version of Third Strike in that 30th anniversary edition and you can play Gil... Throw it out the window. Why would you? Play <laughs> well, like, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. To be honest, with you, because oh, those no. versions, those online games, is going to be the so. same versions of what we've had online, like with Third Strike Online HD Remix. I believe Hyper Fighting is also part of that collection too. Like all these different things, and mm-hmm. and, and I, I understand. And I think also Alpha, if I'm not mistaken. I, yeah. Again, I could be wrong. I got to look at the trailer again. But again, 
it, it seems like a haphazard effort to me. And I feel like if it, this is the 30th anniversary of Street Fighter, you want to go all out. Yes, they're going to provide this extra content, this gallery stuff, which is what we saw in the trailer. But again, I feel like it's going to be the exact same thing. And it, even now with that coming out, it makes my argument about Ultra Street Fighter 2 being a dead game at this point is because people are going to be playing Street Fighter 2 in that version of that game. And it's going to be on multiple consoles, not just the Nintendo Switch. So why even bother going back to the other game? But it's still, I feel like only just a halfway effort. They should, to me, Capcom should be doing so much more and treating uh, Street Fighter at least you know their 30th anniversary in the same way that Square Enix treats the Final Fantasy series in 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 its anniversaries where they had like this giant event and this giant release this compilation that had all this extra stuff and all these other big deal things to that meant something to Final Fantasy fans and I don't feel like we get that with Street mm-hmm. Fighter for for Street Fighter fans yeah which is crazy uh, to confirm though uh, 30th anniversary has the original Street Fighter Street Fighter 2 uh, championship di- champion edition hyper fighting super and super turbo uh, it has Alpha, Alpha 2, Alpha 3, uh, and it has Street Fighter 3 and all three versions of that game, New Generation, Second Impact, and Third Strike. I think uh, there's four games out of that bunch that are online. I so, think it's HD Remix, Third yes. Strike, uh, Hyper Fighting, and I think Alpha, right? Or Alpha H- 3. HD Remix is not part of this. Um, oh, okay. It's Hyper Fighting is online, Super Turbo, Alpha 3, and Third Strike. Oh, Okay. So no Alpha 2. People tend when people talk about the Alpha series, that's a big hole in my Street Fighter uh, repertoire. But people tend to like Alpha 2 over Alpha 3. But that's just my like from view from the outside opinion. Both solid games. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, I think that kind of wraps up that segment. Uh, what do you want to talk about next? Uh, we could talk about the current game of Street Fighter 5. Of course. Uh, topic that. I brought up that I kind of want to talk about for a little bit because it seems to be popping up on on our Street Fighter uh, a lot lately, uh, mm. and a lot of it's kind of all over FGC Twitter as well. But it's the topic of Abigail and is Abigail too strong? Is uh, he too strong? That's a that's a good question. I think that the thing is when you start getting into to questions and discussions and debates about a character being too strong, it's super mm. super subjective because okay. I mean we've had examples of characters like again Abigail is probably not high high up on the tier list for some people, but like you could take any character, take him to a tournament and make top three like that. Like there's been plenty of examples throughout history where that's mm-hmm. been a thing. And then all of a sudden the whole landscape of co- co- the competitive environment will shift. And I could think this could be directly applied to Abigail as well, because people just haven't discovered probably a lot of different interesting tech or interesting, uh, uh, was it gameplay, you know, for him at some point in comparison to like some of the other crazier characters that people use frequently. Well, to that, I will actually say, cause I actually did prep this. Um, cause if you actually, if you search, uh, on, on uh, our Street Fighter, if you go into the tech search and you search Abigail, uh, many of the of the the posts that come up are how to beat something that Abigail can do, like his stand medium punch, stand medium punch frame pr- frame trap. Like there's an explanation of how to beat that. Uh, there's explanations on how to deal with his V trigger. Uh, options on how to deal with um, the Abigail smash. It's just there's a lot out here. Uh, there's tips and tricks of how to beat him and also what he's capable of. So that's always been my thing of learn what a cap- character is capable of, then go into training mode and lab how to beat it. Uh, that's always been the most useful in terms of you know furthering your own character knowledge. Uh, but the information is out there because not a whole lot. I mean, there are certain small tweaks that were made to Abigail that make him stronger. Uh, 
his crouch light kick being able to, to combo out of it now, um, to hit confirm out of it is very strong. Uh, his damage in V trigger two is still just as strong. Uh, and mm. I think that that's been what people are mostly complaining about because he's still one of, I want to say that one of the big changes that they tried to make in arcade edition is take away characters abilities to steal around because that's where most people complain. They complained about Balrog. They complained the comeback. About Laura, yeah, the comeback factor of, oh, it doesn't matter how well you played because you got clipped once and then you made a bunch of bad decisions. and Or, or maybe you made one bad defensive decision after they popped V-Trigger and now you're dead, which it, it's a tough pill to swallow. Like, I get it. Uh, being in control of a match until someone gets V-Trigger, like, that's that's a hard pill to swallow like that will make you salty i've now here, here's a good question though and i think it's also prov- prevalent with some of the big changes that they did with the last few updates to street mm-hmm. fighter 5 especially for arcade edition would this be really a big problem if some characters still had like their invincibility dragon punch stuff because remember that was a big deal that everybody was really complaining about and obviously in other games where there's stuff that might be somewhat similar whether it's street fighter or otherwise you know usually the answer to something like this would be like an invincible dragon punch so that way someone like abigail can't roll up on you like that and it's totally changes the dynamics of the entire matchup would that still be a problem now though had these changes not been implemented in abigail's specific case i would say no. yeah uh mm. in other characters i would say yes like laura i think uh crosscut dp whenever she's doing her side switches to at least hit her out of the startup of whatever move you might trade with her her thunderclap if it's hitting you meaty but regardless i think you'd still get by with a with a crosscut dp probably be fine but with abigail in particular it's because of his armor what i see a lot uh even in high level this happened a whole lot of times in the last couple tournaments that i've watched even in evo japan uh yeah and then before that there was genesis and frosty faustings even in those tournaments you would see abigail charge up in V-Trigger. In V-Trigger ones, just start charging up a, a back hard punch or a stand hard punch or it's something. He was charging up one of his uh, his moves that have armor. And when he does that in front of you, for whatever reason, I still saw people do this. On reaction, they just tried to back jump because they want to get away from the armor break of Abigail's fully charged punches. While attacking, have, while they're back jumping? Yeah, and it's it, why take the full damage of the back jump whenever you could just take lower damage off of the fully charged or beat it with like a throw or something like that uh, or some move that gets you on the other side of him. Uh, but the issue here, though, is a DP doesn't solve that because he has armor. So you'll yeah. get hit with, you'll, you'll might, you might hit him with the DP, but also he might absorb all of that. What about EXDP with like someone like Akuma or someone like Ken? Stuff that has like multiple hits like that. Because obviously it just absorbs one hit with the armor, correct? Well, it can absorb... Well, it it's tricky where the frames work out in terms of when he gets certain amounts of armor. But when he does something mm-hmm. like that that is in your face and he's charged it up a lot, uh, I think the max is three hits of armor. I could be corrected on that. But let's just say it's, it's three hits for talking purposes. Uh, hmm is like what you really need to get beyond in order to break armor uh, when he's trying to fully release. I actually might be four. I should look into this and, and be absolutely correct. In, in he absorbs that. a lot, you know, more so it's than like most other characters. Do. Yeah, it's a lot. So like a Ken's, a Ken's DP, yeah, that, that should work. Um, but also what you're... Hmm, actually, hmm, 
Because I would say Ken and Akuma would have the best chance of dealing with something. Because like, I'm thinking like, okay, EXDPs, you got Ryu, who does like that one hit. Then you got Ken and Akuma that do multiple hits. And Ken, I think, having the most on his way up like that. So if it's only going to absorb like maybe one or two or even three hits like that, more than likely those characters using up a, a, a piece of their meter are going to get out of something like that. And I don't think a lot of the, the rest of the cast can do something like that. Mm, yeah yeah uh sorry i got the the dog barking in the background <laughs> he's like yo he's talking yeah. about abigail too he's like i hate that guy he's super pissed <laughs> he's ready to eat. he hates abigail he t- well he just hates canadians that's his whole thing see obviously <laughs> <laughs> um, so now he loves canadians i love canada uh but actually not, i might walk this back because if it's something that he does fully meaty or at least is close to meaty uh, he does lose armor during the active frames, so mm. perhaps a fully invincible DP could work. But it has to be what well, That's the thing. It has to be time to be active as soon as Abigail's punch becomes active. And I don't think a lot so, of Abigail's so if like his, if his arms coming out, then basically yeah, well, not frames. not even that it's coming out. It needs to like be out for oh, you okay. uh, to hit with the so at the tail end of it basically yeah 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 uh but that could work but again that's a very specifically timing thing that you would have to lab out on your own uh but does it necessarily affect the, the certain matchup i i don't know uh there to that point though there are ways to to deal with that um but the one that gets me is when people try to jump back uh outside of when 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 they're inside and they see Abigail charging up a, a stand hard punch or a, a back hard punch and then they jump back. When you know they're why not they do that? Stun, you know crazy. you know why they do that? And I think because uh, I've probably done this in the in the past a couple times too. Because mm-hmm. they think they could probably do that, hit it to knock out the armor, and then when they land or if they're still in the air or something like that, do another attack to follow up and then regain control of yeah, what, what's perhaps, happening. Perhaps uh, I always liken it to that's the situation where. It's kind of, to me at least, uh, for people who are familiar with Street Fighter IV, uh, what Zangief could do when he had you in the corner, this was called the Snackish Special, uh, you would make them be in range of your focus attack, and you would charge up your focus attack, which had one hit of armor, uh, but when someone's in the corner and they can't jump over you, then when they see that focus, they just tend to, uh, you focus and then you forward dash, and for whatever reason, that always caused people to jump back. So you would charge up that focus, dash forward, ultra two, catch them out of the air. Snack is special. Because they think they're gonna, you're going to SPD. That's yeah, why. They and they just want to get a free hit. They're going to get caught because they're like, well, we stopped me from moving back because he charged up the focus. So I'm kind of stuck here from just trying to walk back. Dash up. They think you're going to SPD. They could press. But the thing is, they could press a button. <laughs> like, that's the and then stop that whole thing. There's a whole, there's a whole number of things that people can do, but it is a mental thing that you need to get beyond as a player in order to, <laughs> to beat that particular tactic. Uh, you need to get past your, your gut reaction. What nature tells you is right, and go against nature, go against God, and <laughs> and beat <laughs> Abigail uh, the way he's meant to be beaten. Uh, and there's tons of ways uh, listed in the subreddit, uh, which if you go to the, the tech tab. Uh, that'll tell you how to search specific tech. Then you just type in Abigail, and then boom, a whole bunch of stuff comes up. So that is what I would recommend people go look at if they are having trouble with Abigail. Nice. Seems to be a monster. Uh, okay, uh, well, you can switch over to a little bit of fun. There's a little bit of fun to be had here. Uh, another topic. Nice. We can get to some some light discussion before we get into 
wrapping things up here because we're kind of coming to a, a time. So something that happened. Uh, do you actually want to pitch this one, the Wendy's? I'll let you set this one up. Yeah, sure. So we were we were coming up with topics for, for the show today. And I saw on the subreddit that somebody had posted up a picture that I believe was posted up by Street Fighter themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, some sort of like concept or early concept. I think it was of Manat. Mm-hmm. And it, she looked like the Wendy's girl, you know, the Wendy's mascot. So Wendy's shot a, a tweet over to them and she said, I think it was Manat was holding like a pizza or something. And the Wendy's Twitter was like, she'd be better just holding up some burgers instead. And she, uh, was it? And I think it was Street Fighter said only the freshest like that. And it was it was just funny, like a little back and forth. We're starting to see that a lot on Twitter between multiple companies and stuff. Yeah. But I thought it was funny because it's, it's a fun little neat like goof and crossover. But then I started thinking to myself, OK, now that Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite has come out and we've had our good share of Marvel at this point, what's the next big crossover that should be for Capcom or for Street Fighter for that matter? Now, the easy answer, because I know you listeners out there thinking yourself, you're probably screaming at the, the audio right now. Yes, we all know we want Capcom versus SNK3. We all know this. Oof, okay? This is pretty straightforward. Okay, This should have been happening a long time ago. But outside of the obvious, what is another crossover that could work that's realistic that could happen in this day and age? Because back mm-hmm. in the day, I thought that Tekken and Street Fighter would never cross over. And look what happened there. And we got th- those type of results. But what can be another crossover that we've yet to see or something that'd be really cool that should be up next? I think that uh, uh, to kind of go back in the, the Street Fighter cross Tekken, it's actually interesting that when Street Fighter cross Tekken was announced, there was also an announcement of Tekken cross Street Fighter. Exactly. Which... I, I don't ever remember it being fully canceled. I don't think that that has it was quiet canceled. It might have been quiet. It might have been quietly canceled, or it might have just been like, "Here's Akuma in Tekken Seven. Uh, that's the best we can do." That that's what I thought was really a hint at what was going to come next. To be honest with you, because that just doesn't happen as far no. as like being put out there. And and obviously, again. Capcom and Bandai are not stupid. I'm pretty mm. sure they had conversations behind the scenes about all this stuff. And I think a lot of it, what played into that, uh, probably that decision or just that quiet backing away and just not talking about it was maybe just the reception of Street Fighter Cross Tekken. Because obviously there was a lot of things going on at the time between the reception, you know, by the general public, the general gamer out there, the competitive community, you know, talking about the gem system and all this other stuff. And then obviously the DLC talk, which was a whole nother ordeal for Capcom specifically. Mm. I mean, a lot of that probably had something to do with it but even then despite all that when i saw akuma for the first time in second seven i was like wow like this is actually going to be a thing and just nothing came out of it i mean akuma came out of it <laughs> but, but, that, I mean, but that's that's all we got that's all we got uh, uh which is fine akuma's fun in that game uh it's fun to to give akuma a shotgun i think it's which is sad. random. It's pretty random. Uh, Tekken 7 is a fun game if you haven't played it, folks. Uh, so there's, the, I would actually... How do you think like a Street Fighter or a Capcom cross Arxis? That should be happening. I, I'm surprised nobody has brought that up. And, and I've thought about this. Because Arxis, I think they're very open to talking to companies as at least... A, Shown by cross tag battle, um, yeah. That's which I like think a, I think that specifically though is still done all by Arc System Works, or at least most of it. Because remember, they got Persona Four Arena in there. They have true. Blaze Blue. They I think they have uh, what is it? They have they have Ruby. But again, that's something like Rooster Teeth and stuff. But it's still all really done by Arc System Works for the most part. True, but still, it's a lot of licensing. 
Yeah, it's probably a licensing nightmare. But regardless, they seem to be open to that. And also, with them working with Bandai Namco and getting Dragon Ball Fighter Z out there, they have people that can talk. So, yeah. what would? Oh man, I'm just kind of thinking about this right now. What would a Arxis Cross Street Fighter game be like? It'd be I'm, Guilty Gear versus Street Fighter. At least to me, that's what it would be like. And if, okay, and if yeah, not, that's if it's, probably Cap, the, if it's that's Capcom probably the versus answer. Guilty Gear or Capcom versus Arc System works like that, you get Guilty Gear and Blast Blue characters uh, against whatever the Capcom cast would be, which would be Street Fighter and anything else associated with it. So you get like, again, if we're talking a versus game and not really a cross game, like what we got with Tekken cross Street Fighter or cross, Street Fighter cross Tekken. And if it's like a versus game, like Marvel versus Capcom or Tatsunoko versus Capcom, then maybe you get like Street Fighter cast, you get your Mega Man, you get stuff like that versus Guilty Gear and Blast Blue characters. I would almost, hmm, I know this is a Street Fighter podcast, but I would almost be down for an SNK cross Guilty Gear just to get like some Samurai Showdown versus <laughs> Guilty Gear characters. I feel like I feel like I uh, SNK incredible. needs that. Like, yeah. uh, granted, and I don't think a company ever really truly needs something unless they're really dire straits. But I feel like that would be a really cool move for SNK to do, especially now that KOF 14 uh, became a thing yeah. and, and it's become much better than the previous iteration, which, again, you could argue back and forth uh, between the 2D and the 3D takes between 13 and 14. That That's a whole nother discussion. Yeah. But but with kof 14 i always felt like you know you could still make that work and have it done in the style of either kof 14 or try to do a street fighter s style between those two uh, characters again a crossover again or kof in the style of arc systems games the, the more recent ones with guilty gear like to me that Dragon makes more Fantasy. sense that would be that could be, that could be a little bit more realistic because uh at least the, uh the arc system works and and even mm -hmm. snk to an extent can make their characters really go all out as far as like crazy designs and looking a lot more unrealistic compared to what we got with street fighter 5 now which is taking even though they're still caricatures yeah. of you know personalities and stuff they're still much more grounded in a more realistic tone a much more gritty tone compared to like what you mm -hmm. see between street fighter five and street fighter four yeah no i i like the design of of five but it is very much its own thing there's not many other fighting game companies going in this same direction in terms of fighting game style like right. tekken might be the closest but even so it's i would argue mortal Kombat to an extent or, or injustice uh, tech technically uh, yeah. because that's injustice yeah and I would say Mortal Kombat X a little bit more so because, again, the grit. I mean, taking away the gore and everything, when you really look at those characters, they're a lot more realistically designed and built mm -hmm. compared to, like, when you look at Guilty Gear characters where they're a lot much more exaggerated, they're a lot more caricatures of yeah. what those characters or those archetypes would be. They're movable cartoons, and it is... Exactly. Oh, it's so fucking beautiful. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, personally, I think my my gut reaction would be thinking out loud. I want to see some Sam Show versus Guilty Gear, but that is just because Samurai Showdown Two is one of my favorite fighting games of all time. <laughs> it's just... I would agree with that. I would agree with the SNK versus Arc System works. I think that would be cool. Yeah. Or getting something even much more crazier than that. I mean, just like going. I'm trying to trying to think like what would be even more like ridiculous. I mean, if you get out of the realm of 2D fighters and you start going to more of the 3D fighters, there there's other crossovers. Mm -hmm. I feel like that should have been done like obviously uh tekken should have crossed over virtual fighter i feel like at some point i mean granted those mm -hmm. companies have worked together and their characters have interacted again project cross zone yeah. as an example but i i felt like you know we got our dead or alive versus virtual fighter technically with them being guest characters but i always felt like if you want to see like the best 
uh, what is it? Uh, technical slash complex fighters, uh, or fighting games, especially three fighters come together like that. Those would be the two ideal, uh, matches. Yeah. I think those make sense. And I think that, that all of that makes sense. Uh, but what can street fighter cross over with? I, I don't, I don't know if a whole lot makes sense unless you're talking about fully change of design for the street fighter characters themselves. I, think I mean, that, that is Street Fighter has done it with everybody at this point. I mean, they've yeah. done it in all types of ways. They've done it Big with nasty. crazy, crazy anime like S type of characters with Tatsunoko versus Capcom. They've done it with ridiculous comic book characters with Marvel versus Capcom. Then they did it with themselves with Capcom Fighting Jam. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's all or Fighting Evolution. It's like different stuff that they've done all this point. So where do you go next at that point? I don't know. And that's just something to, to think about of, of what's what's to come in the future. And hope hopefully it's not stagnant. Hopefully that there's yeah. there's some there's someone working in the background uh, trying to get some deals made. Or maybe just if someone pitches Capcom with a fight because this is almost how I would want it to happen. I would almost want Arxis to, to pitch to Capcom and say, Hey, can we use your character licenses in in a crossover game of our own uh, and make that happen. That would be to me something that would be interesting to see. Maybe like maybe make it into like a four button game or whatever. I, I don't really care now, what they do. Now here's funny, funny thing that you say that because one thought that was brought up a couple years ago, I remember reading about, you know, again on social media and stuff. Some people said that Capcom should cross over like that or versus, you know, whatever mm-hmm. uh, with Nintendo because of the sheer number of characters that you could do. And it'd be kind of like Smash Brothers because yeah, it's technically what yeah. we kind of got with Smash Brothers now with, with Ryu being a guest character. But <laughs> having that specifically be a thing with char- characters from Street Fighter or Capcom going up against Nintendo characters like Mario, Samus, uh, Donkey Kong, uh, Star Fox, Captain Falcon, etc. Again, it might, it might be another iteration or another take on smash brothers itself but then it, how do you translate that that into a specifically a fighting game and then make it look like that 3d design and just have all these characters come together if donkey kong has an spd i'll be into that actually him and, him and Zangief, you, there you go. You've put an idea into my head that I didn't think was something that or, I needed to Bowser. see. Bowser could have or, an SPD. or Bowser, or Bowser, that'd be fine. That, or, or King Bowser. Yeah. <laughs> Bowser probably would go more like a T-Hawk. He'll grab you by the head and slam you down. Right. That seems, that seems more applicable, but no, that's, that's an interesting thought. <laughs> Possibilities uh, are endless. Yeah, uh, it, along with this, uh, going back to the the Wendy's girl, the Wendy's Wendy's Minot. Just want to give a quick shout out to uh, Andy Wong, that's Strum Slinger on on Twitter. He's the actual guy who runs the, or at least one of the guys who runs the the Street Fighter uh, Twitter account. Nice. Uh, he's also one of the community managers over there. You can hit him up on Capcom Unity. Uh, and okay, I think that brings us to the final part, or at least one of the final bits of the show. Uh, I think that covers everything that we had brought up beforehand. Kind of went out of order there as we had planned it. However, uh, gonna do a, I'm gonna try to make this a uh, a tradition on the show of when we have guests on uh, to ask them a question. Ah, no, shit. No, there's two sections. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, calling so audible. <laughs> I'm calling an audible. Uh, I forgot. There's the question of the week uh, we didn't talk about yet. Uh, and the question of the week uh, was sent in by. Uh, I hate. I hate Reddit names. Sometimes they're just Mister <laughs> Mister Virtue. Mister Mister Virtue. Mister Virtue. Virtue asks, uh, "Have you learned any grown-up?" 
life lessons from Street Fighter. That is hmm. the main question of today, uh, to which I per- personally, myself, I have learned many lessons, uh, having been involved in the fighting game community, not just Street Fighter. From the games themselves, uh, I think that I've learned a lot of patience, let's say, and maybe not caring so much about... So I used to have like big... I don't know if this has been something you've ever had to deal with, but uh, like ladder anxiety of wanting to continually do well and go up the ladder of, I got to get that next rank. I got to go up, up and up. But then Street Fighter V came out and I said, nah, I just don't care anymore. And then Mm -hmm. that has allowed me to be like, no, it's if I improve, I don't need to make the numbers go up. I haven't played ranked since uh, May of 2016. I I just stopped because I don't care enough. Uh, and like that is just one of the the few ways that I think Street Fighter has touched my adult life. But what about yourself, uh, have you uh, grown as a person because of fighting games in general? I think that I could bounce off of that and relate to it because I think what it teaches everybody, or at least the fighting genre, you know, as a gameplay design, you know, relates to greater gaming as a whole. I think it teaches perseverance, you know, in much of the same way mm-hmm. that that someone playing a, a game like Dark Souls, Demon Souls, or the Soul style game, where there's a constant wall you're hitting, a constant barrier you have to overcome or get around, or something like that. I think really the fighting genre was really the first genre to really kind of like have that without being so explicit about it, and. A lot of that comes from competition. A lot of that comes from even just playing against the computer. Because growing up in arcades, or at least you know, kids that grew up with a lot of these games, specifically with Street Fighter, in the arcades, you know how those machines were pretty much made to just eat up your quarters. And uh-huh. in order to get the most enjoyment and get that satisfaction of the bragging rights, you know, between other people, as also getting your name on the high scoreboard on the leaderboard like that, you know, there was a lot of perseverance that you needed in order to get around a lot of the curveballs that were thrown at you. Yeah, and that could be well. applied. Yeah, that could be applied to any aspect of life. That could be applied to business, that could be applied to your daily job, that could be applied to relationships, that could be applied to health. Anything mm-hmm. that you could think of, that same uh, philosophy or that same uh, idea of perseverance could be applied to it. And it just doesn't have to apply just to video games. So I think that besides myself, I think you and the way that you talked about it and everybody else that's listening to this now probably gets an element of that just from playing Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. Now, I've, I've actually written about this before. It's uh, one of the no, it's actually not a chapter in Geek's Gym. It's a, it's a uh, letter from the... It's like in the back end. It's not, it doesn't have its own chapter, but it's... Uh, the afterthoughts. It's, less, it's <laughs> like the afterthoughts of learning... Uh, losing to yourself uh, and what that means as... If you take a loss and you don't learn anything, then you've actually lost. And that can apply to so many things. Like, I... So many things, and especially if we go back all the way to, to Justin Wong, right? He's one of the mm-hmm. best players uh, of this generation, uh, and he's certainly one of the top players right now. He's currently one of the best players right now. World class. And you go back to that moment that he might be most well known for is taking holding that big L from from Daigo, right? Uh, but he bounced off of that, and he continued to to play. Uh, and it's that learning to live with that failure. And you, a lot of times, you don't see people fail so many numbers of times. Uh, there's so much failure that uh, that you have to get over before you can actually get that or be within that 10% of successful people in, in fighting games. And that just happens so constantly. And there's no good feedback loop uh, in, in fighting games until it clicks that you've actually hit it. The game doesn't tell you in any way, shape, or form that, oh, you tech that throw that you might have lost 
the round. They might have perfected you, but you tech that throw, and that was good tech timing. So good on you. The game will never tell you that, but you have to. You know something? Yeah. I was gonna say, like, you know something? I think that that's a very much more complex uh, thing, and mm-hmm. it just doesn't come from the game. It also comes from the community. It comes from the 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 culture of what fighting games and the fighting genre is, because the game tells you, gives you feedback directly. It tells you, you win, you lose. That's the most yeah. basic <laughs> feedback. It <laughs> it's either yay or nay for you. It's either positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement. And again, that's a basic bare bones psychology thing that goes well beyond outside of gaming. Mm-hmm. But really, for fighting games, it comes from the community. You get that from the scene, from the environment, the social, the socialization, the social anxiety that you get from other people. You want to do good in front of these other people. You want to be looked at as the best. You want to be able to overcome the challenges of having a rival here True. and there. That's the feedback that one would get, not just with the top players, but pretty much all players, even going way down to people who aren't even ranked or the people that usually get killed in pools, which mm-hmm. is kind of a, a bad way to look at it, but, but it's the truth. It's like that's the feedback that a lot of people that are get caught up in you know being part of the fighting game community, or getting caught up being part of the tournament scene. They love on that. They throw they thrive on that. They that that's something that you know becomes addictive to them because they enjoy it so much. That's the feedback I think really comes from the fighting game genre or just fighting games in general. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that that wraps things up for. That's a good question. That's a good question to reflect on, and there's a lot of really good answers uh, in that thread. I'll link that one as well uh, in the comments down below. Uh, but that, that'll do it for a show. We've got one last bit, the final bit that I'm going to, going to redo this whole segment. I know I did it earlier, but just redo on Get mulligan. round two here. <laughs> I lost round one. Run it back. Running it back. I'm holding that L and I'm bringing it into the next round. Yeah. That was a big LV. It, was, yeah, <laughs> it happens, man. <laughs> they didn't see all the 21 times I lost before even starting this podcast. Uh, but the, <laughs> the actual question. Uh, I want to bring up to any guests that I bring on. I'm going to have a set of questions that I'm going to present them and just have that be kind of the end of it before we we spin our way out of this podcast. But to you, Mm -hmm. I ask, what is your favorite normal attack in any game? In addition to that, what is your favorite combo? And I'll present this with with my own favorites. For example, uh, I'm a big fan of... In terms of normal attacks, Zangief's standing hard bunch, standing fierce, and Street Fighter Four. Specifically, if you get that counter hit and it causes a knockdown, it just looks so violent. The violence is real and it feels good, and it's so slow and it should never hit. But when it does, kiss those knuckles. It's, it's, delicious. Uh, <laughs> it's delicious. And then my favorite combo, in addition to that, also Street Fighter Four, uh, just because of the the cadence of it, is the Sagat's forward light kick into crouching light punch into DP. You could extend that into like an EX DP into into Ultra, which is actually like the flashy way to do it, but it's that first series of forward light kick, crouching light punch, DP. There's the timing of those button presses to me. I, I'm just a big fan of that cadence. It's like a slow, short, short, and it's like, hmm. And you hit him with that that tiger, and it's it feels good. So those that's an example of how one might want to answer this question so it goes over to you all right so for my favorite normal 
I'm going to go back to, to Street Fighter 2 or Super Turbo. I'm going to say Crouching crouching Medium. Uh, with It could be either with Ryu, Ken, Akuma. It gets applied mm -hmm. to a lot of the Shotos. And the reason why Crouching Medium is so good is because that's usually like a good basic startup to a combo or like, you know, a continuation of a combo off of like a jumping attack or a cross up. And the reason why it's so good is because you could go into uh, Fireball, Hadouken. You could go into uh, Godoken with, with Akuma for, for multiple hits. You could go into a Dragon Punch with anybody just mm -hmm. about. And in most characters, even some a few that are, you know, beyond the Shotos, it's just a good way not only to outpoke some Somebody, or just continue a combo. I always felt like it was very malleable and very adaptable to whatever matchup you're getting involved in, especially if you're playing a Shoto character like Ryu or Ken, you know, something basic like that. Now, my favorite combo uh, actually comes from Street Fighter V. I actually play a lot of Akuma in Street Fighter V uh, since the game came out, and I love Akuma's basic bread and butter combo, which is, you know, any it could be anything going off of a cross-up, you know, with any sort of attack, usually a jumping medium or, or jumping, you know, light, going into a, a light or some, like, crouching attack, either it could be crouching medium, crouching light again, over to standing medium to a light Tatsu and then either going to a heavy Tatsu afterwards or going to a heavy, uh, what is it, Dragon Punch yeah, afterwards. Because I like the heavy Tatsu afterwards. It gets so much yeah, more. A, a lot of people do. A lot of people do because it does a lot more uh, stun. It does. It also looks mm. cooler in, in yeah. hindsight. You know, uh, the only reason why sometimes I like going into the heavy uh, Dragon Punch or even just the medium Dragon Punch after that is because you could also go into a super afterwards. Yes. You know, depending on the situation, if you have the meter or if you want to burn it like that, uh, you could also go into an EX Dragon Punch, which also does more damage and more stun here and there. But there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of different ways to do it, and I just think it looks like a very cool combo for Akuma. It could be very intimidating. It should really knock somebody you know off their momentum. You know, throughout the course of a matchup, especially Especially if you land it consistently and really scare somebody into like rethinking their game plan. So that that's always been my favorite combo, specifically in Street Fighter V. I like your answers there because both are very like Swiss Army combo, Swiss Army normal. Of yeah, got to be adaptable. Of, they're very malleable, very adaptable. That adaptability got to change to to the current situation. Options, options. You got options. Left. You got options, and that that combo opener definitely is that will open up some some goddamn options for you. Uh, I like that. It's a good answer. Very, uh, very on, uh, on message. Yeah. Uh, and with that's a good answer. Uh, and with that, that'll be the end of the show. So before we head out, folks, I'm going to give Jake James Lugo, where can people find you? Of course, you can find me in a number of different places. I'm on Twitter at venomous fat man one, all one word on Twitter. I'm constantly on there every single day. You can hit me up all the time if you guys want to talk street fighter talk fighting games talk gaming as a whole i'm always posting up new content reviews uh exclusive interviews videos podcasts my own podcast show on itunes that i do uh speaking of which it's on itunes it's called tk spotlight where i bring on again phenomenal individuals from throughout the various corners of the internet and the gaming industry uh talk about the good that they do through their craft uh it's not a weekly show it's a again an ongoing show because mm -hmm. usually it's it's more about the scheduling of each different guest uh, the next guest I'm trying to get on to my show, again, it's a couple fighting game peeps and stuff, but I'm in the process of working up some really big guests that people would love to hear from, and I can't wait to reveal that for some of you guys. Uh, besides that, I'm also on YouTube. Uh, I'm on my YouTube channel, uh, Gamers with Gains channel, which I post up my uh, specifically my gaming vlogs where I talk about gaming. Sometimes I, I talk about, you know, certain uh, afterthoughts or uh, supplemental thoughts to some of my reviews. And I speak on different stuff about YouTube and gaming culture, you know, events that I go to, including places like PSX, E3, uh, PAX, uh, and a whole bunch of other events that I've gone to as well. I'm also on Instagram. 
gamers with gains on Instagram. It's just at gamers with gains as one whole word where again, I'm posting up constantly about pictures, you know, related to gaming places that I'm going to events, different cool people that I run into celebrities, all that type of stuff. And then finally, the website that I write for, The Coalition, www.thecoalition with a K.com, mm-hmm. uh, where I post up all my reviews, my shows, uh, my, my uh, was it, editorials, my freelance work. And then obviously IGN, which is where I do all my guide work, where I post up, uh, again, different stuff on the IGN wikis. Uh, I just, again, I just finished, uh, was it, City of Final Fantasy NT? And that's a guy that's just about done now. So if you picked up the game or if you're thinking about picking up the game and you want to know how to get through some of the toughest parts of that or just some really helpful tips to go online and beat people with, you know, I have all that stuff on there for all of you guys. You know, just let me know through all the different places I revealed, you know, if it's really helpful to you or not. So that's where you can find me. I'm all over the place. I'm busy doing constantly a lot of good stuff, trying to do a lot of good for the gaming community. Gamers with gains. Do you also do like health and fitness stuff? I did for a very long time. And fun fact, okay, mm. I actually did a stream one time where I was playing Super Mario Maker and I did what's called the Mario Maker Games Challenge where every time I okay. died, I did 20 to 50 push-ups. And the end total that I did by the end of the stream, I did 1,000 push-ups in one single day. And that's, it hurt. High it was not fun. It was not fun. <laughs> because no. people were mean because they wanted to see me yeah. die and do those push Do, here, do this level. It's impossible. <laughs> it literally was impossible. And by the time I got to the 600 like mark, okay, I was done. <laughs> I kept going. But that's what I did. I, I gave health tips on my YouTube channel. I gave tips about, you know, sweaty palms when you're playing games. You know, how to up some of your gaming skills by doing simple little steps that aren't like complex. But just like little things you can do in your daily life to apply to whatever it type of game that you play little things like that so yeah no that's awesome uh health fitness is more so crossing over with the the gaming community which i love i love it it's good stuff justin wong talked about that a little bit he talked about some of his diet stuff in in the interview that i talked with him about he touched on it very lightly but it was like yo you know you gotta gotta take care of yourself health is very important get sleep you know eat eat right drink water you know stuff like that. that interview then everybody all right, uh, and that will do it for a show. Again, you can find me at Super Joe Monday on Twitter or on the subreddit uh, Joe underscore Monday. Uh, and that'll do it for a show. I have one more question for you, though. Just, yeah, sure. Uh, it's a kind of an aside question to, to kind of play us out. Of course. Black, Black Panther OST, hot or not? Hot. Oh, Why is so it not hot? hot? Why are you so thinking hot. that it's not? So, first off, first off, <laughs> I give the option the just face. in case. You know, I want, put I want, I, in the I'm a yes sir. I'm thinking. a thumbs up, thumbs down. I, I gotta that get Kendrick one. Lamar, what's the it's, matter with you, sir? That's like going so to somebody that loves Street Fighter and saying that that Street Fighter Third Strike soundtrack was whack. Oh, like they should, no. somebody should just smack you on default no, because of that's that. fantastic. It's so good. Exactly. Take you. I'm just saying. Dude, no, it's so good. It opens strong and it's it's gripping the whole way. I can't wait to see Black Panther this week. I'm ready. I got that big popcorn ready. (laughs) All right, folks. That's a show. We'll see you again. Actually, I'll probably release this one before Thursday and then we'll get the normal show up on Thursday as we do every week. So until next time, folks, take care. Muscle bar fully open.